Welcome to Police Chief Podcast, featuring some of the brightest and most talented law enforcement leaders in the country as they discuss the future of policing as well as the challenges facing their officers, professional staff, departments, and communities. Here's your host, former Denver Chief of Police, Paul Pazin. Welcome, everyone, and uh, thanks for joining us for Police Chief Podcast. Uh, with me today is my good friend, uh, Neil Noakes, a police chief here in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, Neil, it is so good to see you. It's uh, an honor for me that you are the very first person that we will be interviewing for Police Chief Podcast. Uh, you mean the world to me. I think you know that. Uh, so appreciative that uh, you've given us a little bit of your time. Well, let me say, I assure you, the, the honor is all mine. I look up to you. I respect you. You are an amazing individual. You led so well as a chief in Denver. I know your entire career there. I know you're continuing to lead outside of that law enforcement role. I, I can't wait to see what you do. And I just appreciate you allowing me to be part of it. Neil, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we're going to jump right in. Tell us your why. Why are you here? A lot of the decisions I make come down to three things. It's faith, family, and friends. And I try to make decisions based on that. And I, I know when the role of chief of police came open here in Fort Worth, I saw a lot of indicators that maybe I needed to, to throw my hat in the ring. But I just didn't know if I was a guy. I didn't know if I was ready. And uh, my wife actually, uh, she said, Neil, I think God's got something big for you, and I think this is it. And I think you're going to be the next police chief in Fort Worth, Texas. My mother even quoted a scripture out of Esther that says, for such a time as this. But I think that you are in this role, given this opportunity for such a time as this. So my why, when I think of that, I think of Simon Sinek in the book, Start With Why. And like his why, forgive me if I paraphrase, but creating organizations where people feel empowered, feel appreciated, and come to work happy and leave work fulfilled every day. The three things for me in that respect it's safety, health, and resiliency. If there are things I can do in this role to make sure our entire department, meaning the officers, our professional civilian staff, and volunteers are all safe, they are healthy in a holistic respect and resilient, then we can go in the community and make sure we have safe, healthy, resilient communities across the entirety of our city and not just in select zip codes. Love it. Faith, family, friends. We talked a little bit of, of the why. Uh, how? How did you get here? Because it's not easy to obtain this position in any police department, but how did you get to where you're sitting today? Uh, it, it's the grace and blessings of God and the people he's put around me, period. I am not special. You know I am not the best-looking guy in any room. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I, I don't know if I've ever been the smartest guy in any room, even when I was the only person in the room. I have been surrounded by some amazing people my entire life, starting with my parents, my sisters, my whole family. And then here in Fort Worth PD, I've been surrounded by incredible people that have helped lift me up, coach me, mentor me, support me. And there is absolutely no way. And as you know, as a chief, you can't do the job on your own. You've got to have a great supportive team around you. I would not even be in this position if it wasn't for the people around me. So any success I've had in achieving this position or any success we have as a department moving forward, it's all about the people around me. That is exactly why you're so successful. And let me disagree. You are one good-looking man. you got a great beard, and you're a sharp dresser. So a winning combination. 
Uh, we talked about uh, quickly the uh, the why. Uh, we talked about the how. Uh, this is a what question. What are your biggest challenges right now facing you, your department, your community? I always try to go back to that safe, healthy, resilient community paradigm whenever I try to answer a question like that. So number one, the most fundamental job of any law enforcement agency is keeping people safe and making them feel safe. So number one for me is violent crime. Uh, Violent crime has risen all across the country since 2019. We saw post-pandemic things went crazy. And I believe criminologists will study that for decades to determine exactly what the causes were. Unfortunately, we saw some of that in Fort Worth as well. We've got a great team of people that are working to address that. But that's our primary mission is making people feel safe and actually be safe. In addition to that, um, we've had some amazing community support in Fort Worth, especially for a city our size. When you, you look at some other cities, and we're not the only one, but we have, have gotten incredible community support. The problem is we still have certain communities where the lack of trust is a problem. Again, say after George Floyd was murdered, it affected all of us. It doesn't matter what community it happens in. It affects all communities. It doesn't matter what patch or badge that officer has. When something like that happens, especially something so visceral, something we see from the cameras, it's hard not to have a reaction. So those communities that might not have trusted us as much now trust us even less. Uh, We had a trial here recently for a former police officer who killed uh, an African-American female in her home through a window. Very, very sad situation. Her name was Tatiana Jefferson. The former chief who was in place at the time, when he talked about the community support, he likened it to an anthill. He says, you see these ants working really, really hard, and they build it up and build it up and build it up. It takes time to build that anthill. And all it takes is one person to come with a water hose and wash it all away. And you're starting from scratch. I don't, I'm not going to say we started from scratch, but we lost ground. There was one officer that fired the gun that night when Tatiana Jefferson was shot. But in some community members' eyes, we all pulled the trigger. So we have to make sure we're working even harder to get that, uh, that trust back. So safety, community support. But then we all talk about the recruiting issues we have in policing right now. And, and we are actually doing really well. We had a civil service hosting, which is the first step in, in your journey to become a Fort Worth police officer. We had over 1,000 people apply. So we are still getting the interest, and we're getting really great people applying. The problem is we have chiefs of police all over the country talking about who we don't have, but we don't talk about the people we do have. So a big initiative for us right now is actually investing in the people that we do have, because you really want to do well recruiting. you got to show you're taking care of the people you have, or they're not going to want to be here. We have trouble with retention. Well, if we take care of the people we have, maybe we don't have such a retention problem. Uh, we just... Uh, secured uh, three quarters of a million dollars in our most recent budget with the city. We partnered with a group called Frontline. There's actually on site here on our campus on the fire department side. Do very comprehensive physicals. I mean, the number one killer of officers is heart disease. I went through their physical. It was phenomenal. It's it's one of the most comprehensive things I've ever done. But another aspect is there's a mental wellness check in every single time you go up for your annual physical. Our uh, associate, our police association, our unions on board with this. Officers are getting on board with it. We've got to get past this really negative stigma about mental wellness. If an officer breaks his arm in an accident, he's going to go to a doctor and get it done. But if he feels he's broken in his head or in his heart, he or she says, well, I can't say anything. They're going to take my badge and gun. Nobody's going to want to work with me. We've got to get past that and make sure officers are reaching out for those resources as well. We're starting an additional mental health program on top of a 
our employee assistance program and our peer network program. We're getting a, a grant from the, the state, from the governor's office to expand our mental wellness programming. Uh, all that to say, we have amazing people here. We've got to make sure we know that they know, we know that they are amazing and we've got to show them that we care. That's one of the biggest initiatives for me. And I could go on about several things, but those are three of the biggest things we're working on right now. Very significant uh, issues. Let me also just give a little bit of praise. Uh, I had the great pleasure of doing a tour of, of your headquarters, your training facility here, and uh, what kept coming up, what was repeatedly described as the biggest small town in America, meaning this is a big police department, but that small town feel where officers from different divisions all seem to know each other, know each other by first name. So from what I saw, it seems that uh, the culture that you're talking about of, of supporting your officers, it certainly looks like it's uh, being manifested here and just a, a, a walking around the facilities look great. So great job on that. Um, I really like uh, the innovation and, and the direction that I know uh, that the Fort Worth Police Department is is utilizing. Where do you see the future of policing? Uh, a lot has been uh, talked about this. We're at a crossroads. We need to think about what works, what doesn't work. But uh, you, as somebody that is uh, innovated and always uh, looking to take that next step forward, where do you see the future of policing? I, I know one thing I think we're going to see is, in some respects, maybe a step back. The community policing era, I think, was was a great era in policing. Then after 9-11, things had to shift a little bit. We were worried more about national security, keeping people safe. And maybe we got away from that a little bit. There was a time several years ago where we shifted from our community policing beats to more of a zone concept. So maybe people could be dispatched to calls faster. Not only did we not respond faster, officers lost that beat responsibility. They didn't have ownership of a beat where they learn the neighborhoods, learn people, learn businesses. We're getting back to that. So we're actually taking a step back, but I think it's a step in the right direction. I normally don't like stepping backwards, but that's a good one. I think the focus on community policing has to get not only to where it was, but increase even more. We've got to learn to embrace social media and, and the technology that's coming out as far as communication, because like it or not, that's, that's the way things are going. And we have a lot of people that talk about, oh, well, we're hiring these new generations, these millennials, and they do this, they do that. Yeah, they do. And we need to be able to communicate with them that way. We're, we can't change them. we got to be willing to adapt and meet them in the middle. And if I can, while well, I'm talking about that, I know a lot of people want to say so many negative things about these new generations coming through. Every generation has said that about the following generation. I'm telling you what, I think they got a lot of things down better than I'm a Gen Xer. They've got things down that my generation still doesn't really get, like work-life balance. All you hear is, well, we can't get them to work overtime. Well, they're prioritizing their family sometimes. I love the fact that they seem to be more aware of social justice issues, equity. They seem to be less interested in the paycheck and more in the, the intrinsic value of work. Want to go home and feel good about what they did? God bless them. Now, don't get me wrong. Every generation, I think, has done some things better. There are some things my generation, the boomers, the greatest generation, did better than, than we're doing. we got to be able to acknowledge this next generation coming up has got some things right, too. I mentioned technology briefly. We have got to be better about being early adopters of the technology that's coming around. And I'm guilty of it just like any of the, the old heads like me want to stick sometimes with the old ways. Technology is a game changer. Cameras, you know, Flock is the, the company we use the most. It's some force multiplier. 
It used to be when we had violent crime in a neighborhood, we, we'd saturate the area. Zero tolerance details. Send as many cops as you can. Enforce any laws you can. So we're arresting people, writing people tickets. And hey, great. That's really all we knew at the time. Problem is we were alienating the good citizens in those communities as well. The ones that we didn't want to impact negatively. The ones that wanted the violent people out. With the technology we have, the data, the analytics, we can be strategic and who we focus on. We can focus on the people actually committing the crime. Because if you see crime in a neighborhood, it's not the whole neighborhood. It's a very small fraction of that neighborhood that allows us to focus on them while not hurting those relationships we worked so hard to build over time. And sometimes they don't even see us there. We're in and we're out and we're on to the next one. Technology, uh, and I don't know what's on the horizon with technology. I think a lot of it will be AI-based. Uh, there's a lot of AI-based uh, reporting systems that will you can narrate your call as you're going, and it populates your narrative and your report. Uh, ways for officers to be more efficient and get back out faster. Instead of going to an office somewhere, typing out the report, by the time they get back in their car, they're done, and they move on to ne- the next thing. I think drones are going to be huge. We're working with a company right now that's going to help us have drones strategically placed. They can actually respond to calls prior to an officer. They're not going to be armed. We're not going to be arming our drones, but it's an extra set of eyes for an officer, especially we say it was an active shooter situation. Let the drone get there first. Let them be the eyes of the officer so they know what they're walking into. Uh, Something else. What about pursuits? Pursuits are one of the most dangerous thing we do for us and unfortunately for citizens sometimes too. What if we had a drone that could step in and do that instead? What if that drone could actually follow the car and let us know where we need to respond, but it's not 150 miles an hour down a residential street? If we don't embrace that technology, we're going to be left behind. The other thing with when I think about really future, future of policing, and you know this well, sir, you are one of the leaders in this, is my opinion, as far as innovation, co-responder models, where police are, are working with professionals in certain areas, like we have Sort of similar to STAR, not quite as robust yet. Our crisis intervention team where we have officers, all our officers are becoming mental health peace officers, but these officers receive even more training and are partnered with mental health professionals to respond to calls for people who might be in crisis and actually make house calls when they can to try to prevent people from ever being in crisis in the first place. We created a uh, civilian response unit, a very low-level, nonviolent calls, just a report needs to be done, something very basic. You don't necessarily have to have an officer come. So we send the civilians to that so that officers can go answer the calls they need to. So I know it's a very controversial thing when you talk about the civilianization of some positions. Some, I think it's actually, it can work, but sometimes you, you need an officer to show up. You don't need a civilian. There are other things, much like what you've done with STAR, where maybe it doesn't have to be a police officer or anybody in our department at all. The problem is every issue that comes up in society if they can't find somebody to deal with it right then or 24-7, well, let's let the cops handle it. They'll do it. An unfunded mandate, no money, no training, no direction. Just go deal with it. Well, we've seen that that is, can be tragic and is putting a burden on our officers that they don't deserve, and it, it's not fair. So I think the more we're able to work with other organizations that can provide some of those resources that communities need where we can step back and go do what we really, really need to be doing, I think that's part of the future of policing. Wow, wow. I've been uh, smiling this this whole time. I've been nodding my head. This is exactly why uh, I'm such a big fan of, of Chief Neil Noakes here in Fort Worth. Uh, he just uh, gets it, and uh, not only does he get it, he then tries to figure out how to implement it. So 
couldn't be more thankful that you're giving us your time today. What advice would you give to police chiefs, sheriffs, and other law enforcement executives, both in big cities and, and small towns? What advice would you pass along to folks if you had the opportunity to share some of your knowledge? You know, to be honest with you, I honestly believe they would have more to share with me. I'd say keep going. Keep your eyes on the prize. What are those goals you're trying to accomplish? Because there's a lot of haters out there, there a lot of naysayers. There will oftentimes be more people trying to tear you down than build you up. Keep that core group like you, Paul, you, Paco, Valderamo, and Fresno. We got Jeffrey over there in Milwaukee. Keep those close-knit groups together, people who understand what you're going through, people you can talk to. Our mental wellness is important, too. And if we don't have an outlet, then that's dangerous for us and our health. And we need to be healthy, not just for our department, but for our families as well. So keep going. I also would say, don't be afraid to try something new. I'd say with some things, failure is an option. Because if people always think failure is not an option, they won't try anything new because they're afraid of failing. Just fail forward. If it doesn't work, hey, let's learn from it. Let's try something else. And we're going to do it better next time. But don't fear innovation. If we don't have innovation, we're standing still. And these days, if you're standing still, you're moving backwards because everybody's passing you up. Be willing to talk to people outside of law enforcement to learn about things because I think we've, we've been siloed for far too long. And there's some really smart people out there in other industries who have ideas. Not saying they can solve all of our problems, but people you can bounce ideas off of to come up with some of these new and innovative things like STAR, like you have in Denver. I think the most important quality of any leader And I say leader because we have a lot of people in leadership roles who, quite frankly, aren't leaders. I tell my officers all the time, you don't need rank to be a leader. And having rank does not make you a leader. It's about how you treat people. It's about those soft skills a lot. I think intelligence is important for a chief, but EQ, that emotional intelligence, is more important than IQ. Got to have empathy. You got to be humble. I say the most important quality for any leader is humility. If you don't have that, you're not going to get anywhere. If you always think you are the smartest person in the room, you never learn anything. And I think the day we stop learning is the day we might as well just hang it up. So read great books, listen to great podcasts like this one, talk to people, learn anything and everything you can, every chance you possibly get, because it's easy to get stuck in our ways. But if we do that, we've already lost. I got two more advice questions. What advice would you give to both new officers, people that are just starting out in this profession, and people that are interested in becoming police officers? So for officers, people in this profession, I would give them the same exact advice that I would give to chief. The same exact advice. If we don't train and teach and coach and mentor people about leadership until they're already in leadership roles, we've lost the battle. Because by then, oftentimes, people are set in their ways. They're not going to change. We're teaching leadership in the academy. It's something they have to realize. You don't have to have a certain rank or title. You don't have to be a certain age or make a certain amount of money to be a leader. So I'll tell them, be a leader where you are with what you have and do it now. Do something to lead not just yourself, but those around you. There's a book by uh, John Maxwell. I think it's called The 360 Leader, where he talks about even leading up. People think the only people that can lead are the ones above them. No, I tell you what, some of the best leaders we have in the department are our informal leaders, many of them with no rank whatsoever. But when they speak, people listen because they've earned that. Speaking of earning it, I'll tell officers at graduations, your position grants authority. 
but it's your conduct that will earn respect. It's the way you go out there and deal with people, the, the way you lead by example. I would tell all of them to do the same things, to be leaders wherever they happen to be. Not give up and keep going. Don't listen to the haters. There's plenty of haters out there that are going to come after officers, after our entire profession, and say some negative things all the time. But they've got to be willing to push through and keep going and see the positive. Relentless optimism is something else that a chief, a local chief's, he's now city manager in Grand Prairie, Steve Dye. Relentless optimism. No matter what, always look for the bright side because there always is one. Also, for those coming in that are new to the profession, same thing I tell the chiefs, have an outlet. And not always another officer, maybe it's somebody else. Don't be afraid to seek uh, help as far as mental wellness. Make sure you've got some kind of a hobby to keep you grounded, to keep you on an even keel. There's a lot of officers that come in with this great, grand idea of what they're going to be able to do. And I, I know I was guilty of it. Oh, I know I can't save the world, but man, I tried. It didn't take long to figure out I can't. But if every day maybe I help just one person, I had a great grandfather on my mother's side, he'd always tell us that every day I try to help at least one person. And if I could go out and do that, I could go home at the end of the shift and know I did my job. So I, I am thankful for those who are trying to come into the profession, even now, when in the, my 23 years, this is probably the hardest time I've seen to be a police officer. They keep coming. We've had officers shot at recently. We had during an ice storm, some officers' car got hit by three 18-wheelers. Luckily, after the first one, he was able to get out, and the other two 18-wheelers hit it, but he barely got the citizens and everybody out of the way. We had another one where an officer was almost hit by a drunk driver and had to jump off a 50-foot overpass, and he lived. He is broken. He's got a long road ahead of him, but he lived. And the thing is, we don't get shot at every day. We don't have to dodge 18-wheelers every day. We don't have to jump off overpasses every day. But officers come to work every single day knowing that might be the day they have to do it. That, my friend... That's what keeps me going. I can put up with, with the kind of hate that I get knowing they're really literally out there putting their lives on the line. That's, that's amazing stuff, man. I don't know how you can say any better than that. Wow, wow. Last advice question. What is the best advice somebody has given you? Oh, wow. That is a really, really good one. <laughs> one I go to a lot. Former Chief Ed Krause, he stuck around for about a month after he retired to kind of help ease me into the position. And uh, he said, Neil, you're going to have a lot of long days. You're going to have a lot of long nights, long weeks. He said, if you ever are at work and you realize you finished up everything you have to do and you can go home early, he said, go. Don't question it. Don't tell anybody. Just walk out. Go be with your family. That's actually been a great way for me to stay on that even keel. Another one I talked about earlier was that relentless optimism. I think even when we hear positives from some people, it's those negative things we hear that seem to stick. And it's hard to find that silver lining. So what I try to do every day is be thankful for that day. Even if it's something negative, be thankful for it. When you see a problem, and you'll see plenty of problems as a police officer, as a police chief, don't see it as a problem. Be thankful for it. And see it as an opportunity. You can do something positive with that. Turn it around and make something good out of it. Won't happen every single time, but if you do that every time, you'll find that a lot of those problems could actually turn into something great down the road. I think I've enjoyed this more than anybody. You're, you're certainly uh, filling my cup. My, my batteries are recharged. My soul feels better. This is exactly why I'm so fortunate to call you a friend. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up with a couple more questions. What would you want the community to know about your department? And what would you want the community to know about yourself? I want the community to know 
We have a department that's dedicated, one, to keep them safe, two, to, to connect and engage with them, to build relationships, to build trust, and know that this is a partnership. All the things that need to be done, we can't arrest our way out of crime. We can't arrest our way out of uh, quality of life issues. That is part of what we do, and we will arrest people. Don't get me wrong. There are violent people out there in the street that do not need to be walking around. But if we try to do it alone, we will fail. If the community tries to do it alone without us, they will fail. But if we come together and do this job as a partnership, I don't see anything we can't do. It will take time. But if we're walking step by step right beside each other, we can accomplish pretty much anything. That's what I want them. And we're committed to that. And I know that I have so many people, we have so many people in the community that are committed to the same thing. What I want the community to know about me is I am a flawed, imperfect man. I'm going to make mistakes. I probably make mistakes daily like anyone. Not probably. I do. I know I do. But my heart's in the right place. When I make decisions, I take all the information I have and try to make the best decision I possibly can. And then I got to move on to the next one because there are a lot of them. I'm not making decisions for political reasons. I'm not making decisions to make any one person happy. I try to make as many people happy as I can with every decision, but it's got to be the right decision. And I know in this role, no matter what decision I make, it's going to upset someone, every single decision. I just want the community to know my heart is in it. I love Fort Worth. I love every single community in Fort Worth. I want them to know how much I appreciate the support that they give us. And I want them to know that I'm here you know, as long as they'll have me. And I hope together we can do some really great things. I believe we can. Love it. Love it. Uh, very last question. We'll shift gears just a little bit. If you were not a police officer or the police chief here in Fort Worth, Texas, what would you be doing? Wow. That is a really great question. Um, I honestly don't know, Paul. I have no idea. Uh, I've even had some people ask me, what, what do you plan on doing when you are no longer chief, when you retire, however that happens? I'm so focused on what I'm doing right now. I don't know. Whatever it is, I want it to be something that's going to make a difference. Uh, not just somewhere where I can go to the private sector and make big money. I mean, it'd be a nice bonus, don't get me wrong. But I, I want to go somewhere where, again, at the end of the day, every day I go home, I can think, you know what, I, I did something positive for somebody today. Or I helped push this profession forward uh, in the direction we all want to see it go. I hope that I can do something every day where I've had that intrinsic value return on investment that I was talking about with a lot of the millennials and newer generations. I want to make a difference. And, I, and again, I know I'm not going to do it alone. I am not special. So I hope I work with a great team, folks like you who are innovators but you're doing it for the right reasons. You're not doing it for any kind of recognition. You're not doing it for the check that you receive. Paul, you do what you do because your heart's so big. And I wish there was a camera here because that smile of yours, man, lights up a room. It's, it's amazing. That's whatever it is, whatever God's got in store for me after this, I just hope it's something that I can actually help make a difference with a really great team of people. Love it. Love it. Uh, we are wrapping up here with the Police Chief Podcast, our special guest, our first guest, and as you can hear, a uh, very special guest, Neil Noakes, who uh, not only talks the talk, but walks the walk. I will share with folks that some of my toughest moments, some of my toughest days, uh, Neil, uh, my brother, Chief Noakes, was there for me, and I know that uh, he will always be there. 
So I know personally that these are not just words. This is uh, how Neil feels. So you're saying there was never a plan B. This was uh, always the path. He was going to be a police uh, officer. He was going to serve the community, a servant leader, somebody that puts uh, service above self. Never a plan B. I, I, I love it. Uh, <laughs> I'll be honest. I feel like I fell into this this work and this this job. I didn't have a lot of direction, but uh, I guess God had a plan for me, and this is where I ended up, and I'm thankful for that. Well, I'm thankful for it as well, Neil. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate your time today. Keep up the amazing work that you're doing uh, down here, and uh, we appreciate you. You take care. You too. Thank you. Police Chief Podcast is made possible by our friends at Power DMS by NeoGov and hosted by Paul Pazin, the former chief of police in Denver, Colorado. As always, thank you for your service, stay vigilant, and stay safe.